to the I Am Symposium, 17 days of inspiration with wise sages who have helped me along my journey uh, get, get to where I'm at the place where that I would be launching this book, Wins the Spirit. And we have with us today, Lisa J.G. Wycombe, who is an author in her own right of owl medicine. She's a writer, a shamanic practitioner, and sacred listener. We're going to listen, learn about that listening today. In addition to offering one-on-one sessions, Lisa also leads listening retreats and offers others more long-term opportunity to bring a shamanic perspective into our everyday lives. Her evolution has led her from engaging in a small-town general law practice to women's rights advocacy, having been a lawyer since 1983, to writing a spiritual memoir about her initiation into the value of discernment and energetic work to her present focus on shamanic healing work and sharing techniques of living a shamanic life with others. She is presently writing a sequel to Owl Medicine. I'm really grateful you're here. And uh, she's one of my staunch believers, even when I couldn't write. (laughs) And there's still some question about whether or not I can write. (laughs) She helped, um, she helped me, launched into the holistic healing network with the um what was it the business of healing symposium way back in 1999 2005 i think was it then yeah and five six something somewhere along there so it's been we've known each other for a long long time and 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 those all of those things have been building and building this platform of how this work of this i am symposium can connect us to the people who are doing work in Pennsylvania and the people who are doing work in Ireland and the people who are doing, holding space throughout this world in this delicate balance that we are in. And, and as we are, are into this period of this, um, the solstice, this darkness, and, and I really believe personally that we're in this collective darkness. And I think that, that Lisa has come upon something that's a crucial key element to how we move forward in society because I think she's way on to this idea that listening is key. And so I'm thrilled that you're here today. I'm thrilled that you're in my life, that you're my friend, that you've read Winds of Spirit and you're Love here that. to help, help, help launch. So I'm going to turn the, turn the mic over to you. Thanks, Renee. Well, I'm thrilled that you asked me again to participate in the IM Symposium. Thank you so much. And, and for well, building a fire, too. Hey, well, you know, it is, it is yes, to be, to be honest. <laughs> but, you know, it is, it is source, source of warmth. And uh, light. And light. On this solstice, uh, it, it isn't solstice yet, but it will be by the time people hear this. Um, yeah, I, I, I am passionate about listening and I've become more and more so uh, as the years have gone by and when I was thinking about 
um, talking to you today and why I feel listening is so important. Of course, I think about um, what I tell people when I lead my listening retreats, but even before I started the listening retreats, um, I realized that listening has actually been a passion of mine for, uh, I guess, all my life. And when I say it's a passion, I don't mean that it comes easily. I mean that it, when, when I'm engaged in true listening, it feels right. It just, it, it just feels like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's kind of the same way with me and how I feel about writing. And you know, writing may be a passion, it doesn't make it easy. And when I'm writing, I feel, yes, I am supposed to be doing this. But who? Um, making time for it and committing to doing it right, those, those aren't always easy. And um, I, I guess I tried to jot some notes here. Um, Can I just interrupt you one half second? I'm sorry. When no. you were just talking about listening, mm -hmm. this blue streak of light came <laughs> down and fully covered you as you were talking about the sacred practice of writing and 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 i honor i honor whatever spirit whatever energy just came in to to welcome this conversation so i will shut up again <laughs> sorry thanks for noticing that's pretty cool don't you see um, it i i may have seen it but i'm trying so hard to keep my act together here and make sense that <laughs> So um, when I think back, I, I guess briefly, I just want to tell you um, when I really started to realize the value of listening. And um, that goes back to my mom. And um, when, when I was, uh, uh, I guess in my late teens, early 20s, my mom had a friend, um, Aunt Sue, and her husband, Uncle Gordy. And they had three kids and they were all older than I am. I'm the youngest by a lot in my family. And, and so their kids were all more the ages of um, my older brothers and sisters, but they had two sons and a daughter. And, oh, it must've been um, when I was um, just starting to go to Penn State. So I was, you know, late teens, early twenties, because my mom and dad and Aunt Sue and Uncle Gordy would go to Penn State games and visit me when I was up there. So the four of them would sit in, in the car and talk and make the trek up there. And Aunt Sue took me aside um, a, a number of times, which I found a little disconcerting at the time because it was over a period of years, but now I get it. When I was um, in, Sweden, or right before Sweden, when I was in high school, their youngest son, who was uh, athletic, smart, did all sorts of great things. He was uh, a really wonderful young man. He was in his mid-20s, late-20s. He drowned in the Delaware River, um, you know, kayaking or something. I mean, it was just a really, really weird fluke thing. 
that he died and he, he drowned. And my Aunt Sue went into an, uh, an absolutely unconsolable depression. And she told me that, like I say, a number of times that their um, drives up to Penn State, my father and Uncle Gordy would sit in the front and Aunt Sue and my mom would sit in the back. <laughs> Just the thought of that whole sexist way of being <laughs> annoys me, but they, they were old school. So, but they would sit in the back and my mother would listen to Aunt Sue talk about Jeff, her son, and just all sorts of things, not, not just about his death, but most, more I think about his life, and also about how she felt as she was moving through her grief. And I feel like, uh, indeed, my mother's listening actually, it isn't even a, a case of me feeling it. I know, Aunt Sue told me that my mother saved her life by listening. That's, that's all my mother did was listen and didn't try to fix her and didn't try to minimize or aggrandize the situation. It just was what it was. And she held space for my Aunt Sue. And like I say, Aunt Sue told me a number of times how, how she truly felt that my mom had had saved her life. And of course, if mommy happened to be in the vicinity when Aunt Sue was telling me this, she'd poo-poo it, you know, or pretty much she'd just walk away is, is actually the way my mom was. So fast forward to, you know, 10 years later or so, and my mom died and I was uh, tasked with writing her obituary. And it really made me sit and think about her life. And it made me realize how actually she had been a listener, a sacred listener all her life. She'd always listened to me. Um, that was my personal experience. I don't know how my brothers and sisters experienced her, but she also was a, a really deep listener to her other friends. I could see it when I reflected on her life and how they would be when they would get together my mom was always the one who listened and I know she listened to my father and she was a librarian. And I know that all the teachers and the other librarians really treasured her for her presence. So that was what my whole eulogy was about for mommy was what a great friend she was and what a great listener she was. So, how does that lead me to, to where I am now? It's, it's funny. Um, I did go on a vision quest and that's gonna be in my next book. And I was given a name. I was given a name by Grandfather Spirit in the Anipi following coming down off the hill. And the name is She-Wolf Who Listens. And that name resonated so deeply and profoundly within me and felt so sacred that I'm only just now starting to share it with the, with the world. Like I'm even a little bit reticent to even say it here 
but it does happen to be the working title of my next book, She Wolf Who Listens, because obviously, you know, I'm bringing listening truly more forward into my life and also into the world because of my passion for listening. So I feel it's a great honor to carry that name, She Wolf Who Listens. And I've wondered how I would uh, step into the power of that name because I felt it was so powerful. Um, and it has taken me like 25 years to get here. Here I am. But I am ex at least that I'm trying to start to step into that. And part of that is um, leading listening retreats because I look around and I see the need. And indeed, it was right before my very first listening retreat, like literally as I was driving around that morning, that I was kind of hit with that blue ray that you saw earlier. <laughs> but I, I, real, I had to pull over and write down what I got because it was so profound to me. When I realized that in our society right now, there's a great deal of importance placed on telling our story. And indeed, it is really, really important for us to pay attention to the stories that we tell, to, to, to actually telling our stories, and to changing our stories. But if there's no one to listen to our stories, then what's the point? And that's it was like it was like a lightning bolt because it's great to be telling our stories and if everybody's out there telling who's listening precious few quite frankly in my experience so i realized how healing how how being a sacred listener is truly being a healer because when, the, when people tell their stories and when we even tell our own stories, we only heal if we listen. We can tell a story to ourselves a million times, but if we don't listen to what our soul is yearning to tell us or what our body is trying to tell us, or, you know, I mean, there are so many ways that just listening to ourselves is essential to our healing and also just our, our general well-being. But then you extrapolate that out and expand it into the world. And I mean, you know, listening to other people, whew, I mean, that can really, really be difficult, especially, you know, now given our particularly uh, anxious circumstances politically, it's hard, it's hard to listen and not jump into wanting to defend how we feel or think about what we're going to say next or blah, blah, blah. So there's, he, uh, listening is just essential. So that's why I give listening retreats. And a lot of times people will say, well, they kind of assume that it's a silent retreat, which I find kind of funny. But I do, I do usually begin a listening retreat with silence because 
there's so much noise enveloping us and bombarding us all the time that it's kind of like uh, I feel like we need to cleanse our palates when I when I have a listening retreat it's kind of like everybody gathers and then okay we're just gonna shut everything down for a moment you know and actually it's for longer than a moment it's it's for several hours there's no talking and just being and just just being really not even listening because I don't even really talk about listening until the next day um, so in these retreats I, I begin by cleansing everybody's palate by just getting into silence but then throughout the weekend I give people the tools to begin listening to nature and I try to impart how a truly sacred listener doesn't just hear with their ears. They listen with their entire body and soul. When I'm with someone, for instance, particularly when I'm in a session with a client, usually they'll arrive and just walking into my office, people tend to just start to talk. <laughs> you know, well, I'm here because blah, 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 blah. And it's like, wait a minute, hang on. What I do first is I open sacred space because that totally shifts the energy of the conversation because it makes people feel safe because they are safe because it is so much safer to be in sacred space um, and <clears throat> and feel comforted and feel, when I open sacred space, I call in, you know, the directions and the winds and the elements and you can feel them come in. So people know, okay, this is, this is sacred. So it's important that we learn how to hear and listen with our entire body. So when we're sitting in sacred space, I, I perceive more than just their words. And I try to help them hear themselves and listen to what perhaps their own soul is trying to tell them. And trying to help, and sometimes their soul is trying to show them how they've engaged in patterns that need to shift or, just need to be recognized. But I digress because I, I, when I go back to, to the listening retreats, that's what I'm trying to um, just give people an experience of is, is what it feels like to open our, our greater senses to listening first with nature, but then I try to give them tools to listen to each other. I, I have people uh, pair off and listen without helping, without having to have an answer, without having to fix someone, without having uh, the need to share their experience. You know, sometimes people just want, I should say, they need to be heard at the deepest soul level 
and not have their experience compared to anything or anyone or fixed or or made sense of they just need to express it and they need to have it honored and witnessed and there are three things that i encourage people to do in order to be a truly good listener and that's to be present to be to if you're going to listen to someone really show up don't be sitting around looking at your iphone i mean that's that's an easy gimme everybody knows how obnoxiously distracting our phones are but you know even before there were iphones there were people who would be looking at their watch or or you know i don't know just not able to focus so the first the first rule is to be present to show up and actually want to give your time and your focus to the other person second is to pay attention and that means really following following what their story is because you know what it's rare that somebody will tell a story in a linear fashion notice how i'm jumping all over the place from you know high school to now to blah blah but that's kind of more how we live our lives this whole linear time thing is all an illusion anyway and it's reflected in the way we talk and it's in the reflected it's reflected in the way we tell our stories they they are more holographic they they are and it's really hard sometimes to pay attention to those stories. It's, it's hard to pay attention to what a person is saying when you're, if you're not paying attention, like it, it's hard to follow. And that's really essential because sometimes a memory that's triggered from a long time ago, when they're telling, when they're talking about something that's happening now, and they may tangentially mention that. If I'm paying attention and I'm hearing all these different connections, I can bring those connections to their awareness and help them listen to themselves. But I can only do that if I'm paying attention. And the last thing that I feel is essential to being a good listener is honoring what you hear now when i'm with another person honoring it is is uh well tying all all these things together you know showing that i was present and paying attention by noticing the patterns and you know helping them see what they or hear what they've said but i think a huge part of listening has nothing to do with other people. It has to do with listening to ourselves and also listening to our guidance and our inspiration and the guides and allies, the unseen ones who come in when I open sacred space, but who are always with us. And if we're receiving, if we, we're present and we're paying attention to the signs or to the messages, if we receive them, we need to honor them by writing them down. So then I see, I bring in my other passion, writing, which can drive people nuts, but oh well. Um, so there's presence, 
paying attention and honoring. And those, I give people who come to my listening retreats an opportunity to exercise these ways of being within various situations. For instance, you know, with themselves, with nature, with each other. And then another aspect is I, I teach them just the really basic fundamentals of journeying, which is going into another realm, altering our brainwaves so that we can enter another reality and have conversations with allies or guardians or guides. We all have the ability to do this. Some people find that they're better at it than others. It's just like any other talent. It's just like any other skill. It, you pr usually get better at it if you practice. And there are, you know, some people who just are like, meh, yeah, I know it. I tried it. It's not for me. It's like playing the tuba, right? I mean, you know, you might try it. Yeah, you can do it, but not going to go there with your life, right? <clears throat> so I teach them how to journey, but I also introduce them to other kind of um, transitional tools, which are the tarot, other oracle cards, and which leads me to the winds of spirit and why I'm so excited and so over the moon proud of you for doing this work because it's really deep work, Renee. I mean, like I have said to you, it reminds me of the mother piece. Um, tarot deck, which was my introduction to tarot because raised as a Catholic, I don't know, I had some weird, like, oh my God, tarot's evil, which I don't even remember anybody ever actually even saying that, but it was some, some weird thing, I think, that Catholics are taught that you don't mess with the tarot. Either that or it's a throwback to some life I probably lived as a witch. What can I say? Oh, can you believe that a phone is ringing? No one ever calls my regular phone. I'm sorry. I don't know what we, you, do we just wanna pretend it's not happening? <laughs> oh, anyway. Oh, Nature Conservation is calling for a donation. There you go. Okay, <clears throat> that's probably a message too. I should probably listen. They want money, nature. Um, so what I want to talk about really quickly, because I know I'm droning on and on, is um, the importance of oracle cards and tarot cards and things like that as um, a segue, as a, as a means of establishing communication that might not otherwise come as easily to people. <clears throat> and why I'm so excited about Winds of Spirit, because you're adding a whole dimension of understanding and personalities, having done so much research on the winds, on the different winds. And that's why it reminds me of the mother piece because um, Vicki Noble did such deep research on feminism and, and um, yeah, feminism really, it was, and matriarchy. And her, her book is so rich. There's nothing else like that except now comes Winds of Spirit. And, and I really do see an analogy there. And I really do think 
<clears throat> that your research helps us establish relationships with these winds that will help us listen to them. Because in that listening, I mean, you know, by when, when I say that it's important to honor what we hear and honor when we're listening, when we receive messages from another person, from ourselves, from Boreas, um, they appreciate being acknowledged and having us want to establish a relationship because that's what I do when I, when I listen to people, I'm, I'm establishing a relationship of trust and, and honor, honoring their experience and honoring what I'm hearing. So when we ask for uh, insight from the winds and we have a particular wind come in and show up, it's so rich for us to not only listen with all of our senses to what that wind is telling us, but also to have the background that you give us so that we can maybe understand where they're coming from, where that particular wind, you know, it might have a particular personality because it's come from wherever, Brazil or, you know, from Scandinavia or, they all have different personalities for a reason. And that aids us in listening to them and in establish, establishing a relationship with them. And it just makes life richer, which I feel listening overall does for all of us. It makes our lives richer. It gives us an opportunity to heal ourselves. If we listen to ourselves, it, gives us an opportunity to heal our loved ones, even people, even people who we don't know at all. Just even being in a grocery store line and looking at a person and knowing that they really want to be heard when you say, how are you? And you can tell that they don't want to just say, fine really listening even in a moment when they say, oh, I'm having a really hard day. Listening to them and acknowledging how that's really got to stink. And I hope me smiling at you makes you feel better. Can change a, it can change a whole day. It can change probably more than we even realize. So I feel like I've gone all over the place here with my listening. I don't know. Have I made any sense? Do you, do you have any questions? <laughs> and by the way, before I say one more word, <clears throat> I want everybody to know that you did not ask me. Oh, nice, Sami. <clears throat> you did not ask me to hype your book and I am happy to do it because I'm, I am so proud of you and I really am excited about the opportunity to learn about and establish relationships with the, these winds because the winds really are, they surround us, they're unseen and yet so incredibly powerful and pervasive. And I just, I'm excited I'm, I'm, and I'm so proud of you, so. Aww. There's a real listener for you and 
she's in the middle of her talk and then starts going on about your win book for, you know, the last whole segment of it. And speaking of listening, Sami came right in and, you know, if you don't know where to start even talking, because some people haven't been listened to for so long, we have our, our, our wonderful, wonderful pets that love to listen to us. And, you know, and something you said, Lisa, about so many of us are so broken in that we want to, when we hear something, we're halfway through their sentence and we want to fix it for them. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the hardest places of, of just um, a being. I mean, I, I've thought of times, and sometimes in my, I'm not a great listener. I mean, <laughs> I do okay, but you know, but you're like a real listener, like somebody that you know that you can rely upon that way. I'm like, I'm already halfway through the sentence. I'm going to tell you what you can do, how you get back on track, blah, 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 blah. So there's this real, I love this about, about your work and about you. And, and, and I don't know if, if you wanted to bring that story full circle or if that's where we left that story about the listening in the backseat of the car or, or, um, the, that was just that those trips up to Penn State and back, um, Aunt Sue just made it very clear that those opportunities to be listened to by my mom and witnessed and honored and have her experience of losing her son honored saved her life. I mean, literally, that's what she had said to me so many times. And it was just like, okay, I get it. Like, like, you know, I was, I was what, 20, you know, and it's like, yeah, I know, you know, I know, but <laughs> little did I know. But I, I, uh, I just, I, I feel like it's so cool that I can honor my mom by carrying on this, uh, you know, I really do feel it is a calling. And I never would have thought that. I would, I didn't think it, when I was given my name, but, but that whole name, I mean, and, and the, 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 it's a big name and I'm not saying it's a big name for other people. I'm saying for me, it has been a real process to uh, give myself permission to step into the power of that name. And, and with the wolf part, I, I feel like, you know, that entails going out and teaching it mm. with, as you know, having dragged me kicking and screaming into talking. This, I mean, this is like the worst thing for me to have to do. <laughs> you know it. I'll write, I'll listen, but ugh, talking. But it, that's part of the deal. That's part of my responsibility in coming here in this lifetime, I guess. So it has taken me a while, but I'm slowly but surely trying to listen. <laughs> trying to listen. There <laughs> That's we go. Funny. <laughs> and, and I think this topic is so very important. I'm putting it at the beginning of this 17-day solstice event because I think that if you could take just one or two of the suggestions that she said, like turning off your cell phones and really listening to what each of the people that who the winds chose the people for this, this solstice. And so if you could listen to the people that the winds want you to hear from, 
and, and, and how do I know that the wind shows them? Well, they were all people that I met along the way, but then like there was somebody I invited in. No, the wind said, oh yeah, the wind told me and the wind told me. And so, and, and, and trust me, these winds have to yell at me sometimes in order to hear. But so this is at the beginning of the solstice. This is on the first day so that you can really put yourself into a place where you can receive the information because there might be one gem 10 minutes into somebody's talk that you need to hear. And if you're, you know, texting on your cell phone and, and, and doing what you do, you're, you're going to only hear part of it. And so I think what Lisa's trying to tell us is you bring all of yourself to listening. And, yeah. and so what would, just leave us with one last thought about listening. And oh, by the way, make sure you're signed up for the I Am Symposium because then I'll give you a link to uh, Lisa's website, which is? Owlmedicine.com. Easy to remember, owlmedicine.com. And she probably has something if you sign up over there um, that you'll get information on her listening retreats. But I want you to leave us with one way that the listeners on this uh, symposium can know that the quality of their listening, that they can bring this quality to each of the guests that they're going to hear. Like, is it to write it down afterwards or to... Well, actually, yeah. I, I think what I would do is, <clears throat> well, when people are listening, they may be listening in their cars. They may be, you know, I don't, I don't know where people listen to things like this. I know the first I Am Symposium, I listened in my car a lot because I, I like to drive and listen to things that edify me like that. So, but if they're listening just by you know sitting around then they i would encourage them to have a notebook or you know their journal i mean i'm a big journal person too i think everybody should keep a journal at least even a little one to jot down things that zero in and touch their heart or that totally give them a boom moment like oh my god that's important to, so that they can write it down <clears throat> and i would encourage them to create a sacred space as they're listening. And, you know, set an intention of, you know, if I'm supposed to, if I'm supposed to get something from this speaker, help me, help me perceive it. Oh. Because it's not always what we hear. It's as you're, if you're driving or if you're just sitting and listening and someone says something and it, <clears throat> And it shifts something in you. If you notice, oh, wow, that really resonates with me. Uh, pay attention to that because that's your soul trying to say, wake up or look that up or follow that lead. It could, it could be the littlest thing, but if you honor it, I pretty much guarantee you will be led on a journey that will only become more magical. The more you allow yourself to listen, the more magical your life will become. That's so that. wonderful. <laughs> so we're going to invite you on this journey along with us to listen for the next, to all of the presenters, the ones that resonate with you and, and maybe even the ones that don't resonate with you. And, and I want to really thank you for, 
for being part of this journey with me and for embracing these wins and, um, and for the book that you're writing about the she-wolf. And, and, and I was also given a big name. It was called Trayunko. And, and, and then it took many, many years to grow into that. It was about the sound between passing things. And I'm thinking like, well, what could that possibly be? Oh my like, God. Isn't that not the wind? I mean, oh my so God, <laughs> it's the wind. That's so cool. <laughs> I know that was many, 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 many years ago in Chile. So See, and it took you a while to grow into it and to under, come to an understanding of who you are. Right. And, and we're inviting all of you to come into that understanding during this, these dark days of the winter ahead, to come into an understanding of who you are and how you are in relationship to yourself. So thank you and thank you for listening. Thank you.